hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. So we have been taking a journey over the past, uh, this is week five of this series on, on the covenants. The covenants that God has made with God's people, which means the covenants that God has made with each and every one of us. And I was telling uh, Dean Gilkinson as we were uh, praying this morning, you know, I, I feel like this is more of a history lesson today than something else. So I just pray that you pray with me and, and allow God to, to move through these words so that we hear how God calls us as God's people and how we live into each and every one of the covenants that God has, has, has established for us so that we may be his true children and his disciples. So would you please pray with me? Oh God, we know that your spirit is here, guiding us and leading us. And that that spirit does bring freedom. And maybe not freedom like we normally think of what freedom is the freedom that we have to be your disciples, the freedom to live fully in your love and your grace, the freedom to share what you are doing and what you will continue to do in and through us. So, Lord, during this time, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So if you remember, the, the, the building blocks uh, of what God is doing here through, through these covenants is that, that God is, is building a rescue plan. And, and what I mean by that is that, that God created, we see that in Genesis 1 and 2, the, the, the beautiful creation it has, and then, then humankind decided, yeah, well, we're going to do things just our way. And, and that, that broke that relationship that, that humankind had with, with God. And then from that time on, God established and started to, to reconcile the world to, to himself. We see that with the story of Noah, as, as God washed clean the planet. And we're reminded of that every single time we have a baptism. When we, when we pour or, or when we, we immerse someone in the waters of baptism, it reminds us that, that God desires us to be clean and washed free of our sins. And then through Abraham, we, we, we see that God is establishing a, a people and promises a place for God's people. And then last week, as we, we talked about Moses, we remember God establishing the promise that God will dwell with God's people. 
That's why we had the tabernacle that was built among the, the wandering Israelites. And, and God's presence would come and sit on the mercy seat or on the Ark of the Covenant that was there. And, and God's presence was always with God's people, even when the Israelites wandered even when the Israelites didn't want to do what, what God wanted them to do, God's presence was always with them. I think we tend to miss that point sometimes, that, that, that we think that with the Israelites wandering, they're, they're just out there by themselves. But no, God is with them every step of the way. It just may be a little reminder to us that even sometimes we may wander God's presence is there with us. So we're, we're, we're going to kind of catch up a little bit and, and go between the time of Moses and of David. Joshua takes over from Moses and leads God's people into the promised land, and, and they settle as the tribes of Israel all throughout this land that God has given them. And, and there is a particular pattern that starts to develop within the book of what we call Judges. There are 12 different stories within this, but each one kind of follows and piggybacks on one another. You have the obedience of God's people, and then that obedience starts to turn into disobedience. They start looking and seeing the, the, the trappings of, of those that are around them, and they start just to, to slide a little bit. And then because of that disobedience, a, a foreign oppressor comes in and, and takes over and, and takes control over the land. And once that happens, the, the people start to repent. And then God sends in a judge to help make things right again. And then that judge leads the people into to victory. And then after that victory, we see that obedience pop up again. Until the people start to, to disobey again. And then there is uh, foreign oppression. And then there is repentance. And then there is another judge that is lifted up that, that saves the people. And they obe they're obedient again. And that cycle repeats over and over again. And you just read through, or at least I read through the book of Judges and go, come on, people, don't you get it? It's not about the trappings that, that are around you. It is about being fully devoted to God. But there was something else that was missing. Even though God was there in their midst, they, the people wanted something. And because even though God was there and they didn't have a, a central authority, we see in Judges chapter 25, verse 1, the very last chapter of the book of Judges, we see these words. It says, in those days, Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. So basically what they're saying is that, well, because we don't have a king, we can do whatever we want to do. We don't, we don't have to listen to, to, to what Moses has to say or what, what Joshua has to say or whoever a priest is. They, they don't matter. There, there are kings out there that, that rule all of these other countries. And since we don't have a king, we can do whatever we want. 
And that led to more and more chaos. Israel wanted so much to be like another kingdom. Israel wanted so much to to have somebody there to to lead them into power. And they went to Samuel, who was a a prophet and and a priest, and said, you've got to give us someone. We have to have a king. And Samuel, time and time again, warned them and said, you really don't want this. I can tell you, it's not going to turn out how you think it's going to be. But they kept hounding him over and over again. And finally, God told Samuel, listen to them and give them a king. Now, I want you to really pay attention to those words. God is telling Samuel, look, they they want a king, fine. They can have a king. Whatever, whatever they want. We'll, we'll, we'll let them see how they do with that. So God allows Samuel to anoint the first king of Israel by the name of Saul. Now, we should know that things are not going to turn out great, even just by, by looking at what happens to Saul whenever he is first anointed the king of Israel. Or actually, to say, he isn't even anointed king of Israel. And what does he do? He goes and hides. He, he makes it to where people have to go and find him. He is so worried and he is so scared of what it is that he is about to do that he wants absolutely nothing to do with becoming the king of Israel. But they, they find him hiding away somewhere, and they bring him out, and they anoint him as the king and gives the people what they want. They give him a worldly king, a a king like the Gentiles, a, a king that is full of insecurity, a king who is full of jealousy, and a king that fails to obey what it is that God has called him to do as God's king. There's many stories, if you, if you look at, at what Saul has done, where, where he acts irrationally and, and moves out before he receives word from God, or, or he has people around him that make him jealous, so he, he tries to kill them. So he has all of the authority and all the power. So finally, God ends up rejecting Saul and tells Samuel to go out again and find a king. But if you'll see by the the difference of these two passages, that he does something differently. In 1 Samuel 8.22, remember he said, listen to them and give them a king. But in 1 Samuel 16.11, God tells Samuel these words, I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. You see the difference of the wording there? The first time, God is saying, you know what, these Israelites, we'll just let them have what they want. And they'll see 
how, how that isn't going to work out for them. They'll, they'll see the, the trials and, and, and the, the, fa- the failings of this earthly king. But I am going to establish a king for myself. And, and this king is going to look different than any other kings that are out there. And if you're familiar with the story of David, you can see how that is true. First of all, Saul, if we want to compare Saul with David, Saul was like the firstborn. He, he, was, he was huge. He, he was amazing. He was going to be a, a great leader. But if you remember the story of David, as, as, as Samuel goes to, 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 to anoint him, and he goes to Jesse's house, he lays out all of his sons, and each one of them, the oldest all the way down to the next to the last, God rejects. And it was this shepherd boy that was still out in the field, somebody that doesn't even matter to, to Jesse, who is the least of all of the brothers God anoints to be the next king of Israel. Now, there are a couple of stories that we mainly know David for. First of all, of course, is the story between David and Goliath, where, where he takes out this Philistine warrior, and the other one has to do with the story with Bathsheba, who was bathing on top of her house, and David saw her when he was supposed to be off to war, but he decided to stay back and had, a, had an affair with her and be, made Bathsheba pregnant and then killed off uh, her husband so that he could cover up the sins that he did. But David did so much more than that. David, as we hear, was a God after man's own heart that, that knew when he messed up, that, that knew that things were not as they were supposed to be, and repented in one of the most beautiful psalms out there, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. But David did other things too. As he was established as the king of Israel, one of the first things that he did is that he brought in the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And that was huge because it helps bring in this line of the covenants that God has promised God's people, that they would be his chosen one. And God would now dwell not just within the bounds of Israel, but he would dwell within Jerusalem, the the, the city of the king, the city where the true king sat on the mercy seat in the middle of all of his people. But see, David saw a problem. Even though God was in Jerusalem, he, he was still in a tent and he wasn't in a, a structure or a house. So David, knowing and seeing what other kings have done around the world, they would build temples to their gods. That way their god would be fixed and stuck right there, and they would be only to that particular king. But God had a different idea. 
And that brings us to our scripture for this morning in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. Hear the word of the Lord. God says, I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you, When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, who I removed before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So David wanted to establish a house for God. And as I said, this is a part of the, the ways that kings would try to keep the power and authority for themselves by establishing a place And I've seen pictures online of a place for Zeus or a place for uh, Apollo, a place for all of these other ruins that have been ruined and have been, been taken down because no God lived there. And God is saying to David, look, I know what you want to do. You are wanting to keep me for yourself. But that's not the type of God that I am. I am not a God that dwells in a place where, where a specific people place for me, but I am the God of the universe. And I will be the God of the entire world. So I'm going to make a deal with you, or I will make a covenant with you, that, that you will not build me a house, but your descendants will build that house for me. Now, if you're familiar with the story, when Solomon comes along, when Solomon builds this great and grand temple that, that stood in the middle of Jerusalem, and that is where God dwelt. But, but, but God was pointing to something even a whole lot bigger than who Solomon was. God was pointing to the coming of Jesus Christ being led to Jesus being born of the line of David. So, so what does this have to do with us today? You know, the, the Davidic covenant is, is probably the covenant that, that gets covered the least because we can really wrap it up in, in one simple phrase, that the Davidic, Davidic covenant reminds us 
that Jesus Christ is born of the line of David. And, and that kingship is led from David to Solomon to all the other kings down to the person of Jesus Christ. That Christ will be the one that will rule over all of creation forever. And Christ will bring the prosperity promised to David. But that prosperity that he brings will be for, for all people, not just for the Israelites. As we remember back when we were talking about the covenant that God made with Abraham, God said that you will be a blessing for the entire world. You will be the inheritance that people will see me and live through me. I think the thing that this covenant reminds me more than that is that this covenant helps me to see that I can be like David in my life. And, and what I mean by that is that I, I like to control God. I like to say, you know, God, this is where I want you to dwell. This is where I want you to, to make your home. And the reason why I want to make your home here is so that you do what I want you to do. That, that you make your home right here and you have to listen to me and make me comfortable. Make me understand or, or, or make you understand that, that all that you do is to provide for me and to build up my house so that others may see how great I am through you. See, my friends, that misses the mark. That, that, that misses what, what God is trying to tell David here, and I think what God is trying to tell each and every one of us. God is saying, yes, I am your God. You are my people, but I am even greater than the might that you may have on your own. I am even greater than the power or the authority or the, the might that you may hold. I am greater because the whole world is mine and I have already established where my temple is going to dwell. My temple will be in you. Paul reminds us of that in 1 Corinthians 3.16 where he says, Don't you know that yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within your midst? So as we move through the rest of these covenants, as we move through these words, help us to remember that, that God didn't create his relationship with Israel so that we could look back at, at a history book or the Bible and say, this is how things are, the things were. But we look within our own lives and we say, this is how God continues to move in us, with us, and through us, so that his name may be praised for now and forevermore. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for the gifts of these covenants. 
And yes, while they may just seem like simple history lessons, we know that the life that you breathe through these covenants give us life. Helps us to see how you continually call to reconcile us with yourself. You continue to let us know that we are your people and that you have promised us a place to dwell. That you haven't called us to dwell in a place without you. That you dwell in and with us all. Help us to remember that your son reigns and is the king of all creation. And Lord, when we see that, help us to realize that we can't control you or that you are not here to make us comfortable, but you are here to make us holy. So Lord, guide us and lead us as we live into your covenants. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.